You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. All right, welcome tonight, everybody. It's so good to have you here with us at this 5 p.m. service on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to everyone out there who's joining us, no matter where you're from, what campus you're from. Uh, We're just so glad you've come here to join us with this special Father's Day interview. I'm here with our founding pastor, senior minister, Luke Bro. Luke, welcome tonight. So good to have you here with us on Father's Day. Yeah, it's great to be here. Hi, everyone. Good to be with you today. I thought it'd be great tonight just to take an opportunity to have a conversation with our founding pastor, our senior minister, uh, with the one who really is the father of this house on Father's Day. And uh, I hope you've had an awesome day. I hope you've been celebrating with all your dads and uh, all those significant men in your life and just honouring them. And so I thought this would be a great moment to also honour Pastor Luke for uh, what is now 35 years, our 35th year of being a church and um, just so exciting. And Pastor Luke is a real, just a statesman, a father in the faith, a father to so many of us in our faith and um, has, has done an incredible work uh, for the kingdom of God in his lifetime and just absolutely leaves an incredible inheritance and legacy uh, for, for us. And, and uh, so we're so honoured to have Pastor Luke here with us. And I, and I want to just take this time to, for people out there in uh, online world, Luke, to get to know you a bit better. Uh, I've been working for you now under you for almost 20 years. And uh, so I feel like I know you uh, reasonably okay. Uh, I'd like to know you better. Uh, but uh, we want to take some time just so if people can get to know you and um, know who the man is uh, behind, uh, I guess, the title of um, Pastor Luke, and uh, what brought you, what's brought you here today, and what's brought you on the journey, and how God's done what He's done. So I thought that'd be pretty cool. But I want to start off by asking you a few quick rapid-fire questions, and now you, these are either-or questions. You got to choose one of these, and uh, this is to help to get us to get to know the man behind the myth that is Pastor Luke Bro. Uh, so, are you ready? Pastor Luke for my question. Okay, ready? Cats or dogs? Dogs. That was easy. That was fast. You knew that real fast. Cats are of the devil. And uh, I know, Pastor Luke, you'll, you'll back me up in that one. And if you don't like dogs, this is probably not the church no, for you. No and, cats in heaven. And uh, no cats in heaven. Okay. No. If you go into a restaurant and you're looking at the menu, beef or chicken? Chicken. Easy. Uh, if you uh, choose one of these, which, is, which would be your preferred activity? Going for a walk or sipping a latte? Uh, sipping a latte. There you go. Well, you're watching a movie. Uh, do you choose action or comedy? Uh, comedy. Ooh. Uh, a day out fishing or a day with your wife? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a day with Marilyn. Oh, wow, uh, wow. Day, yeah, of course, day. of course. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. Okay, ready? The Warriors or the Blues? Uh, Warriors. Having a good season. Having a good season. I think they're on the comeback, Luke. They're doing great. Do you, what do you reckon, top eight? Blues doing all right too, though. Oh, so. man, the Blues. Come on, it's my good, mighty Blues. good year to be an Aucklander. All right. Sleep in or rise early? Rise early. Ooh, early riser. Yeah. Early bird gets the worm. Yep. That then catches the fish while you're out on that date on the boat with Marilyn. That's awesome. Okay, here we go. Last one in the rapid fire. T.D. Jakes or Brian Houston? T.D. Jakes. You're a big T.D. Jakes fan? Yep, love T.D. Jakes. Awesome. I'm more of a Brian Houston. Brian Houston. Ha. Hillsong Church. I love Brian Houston. All right. Well, Pastor Luke, um, 
35 years leading the church this year in September. This year it's going to be, twi- uh, well, there we are in September, but in a couple of weeks' time it's going to be the 35th anniversary of the church. Um, you, you really are, and I don't say this lightly, I think you really are a statesman of the faith in our, in our nation. And uh, for many of us, you're a real hero in the faith. And um, I want to just kind of wind back the clock a little bit and help people out there. Maybe people are new to our church or maybe they're new watching us online and thinking, who is this church and who is this leader? Um, so let's wind the clock back. Where did the journey start for you in terms of the, this whole journey of ministry? I mean, now we're looking at three campus schools, seven campus churches, soon to be eight campus churches uh, in the West. We love you guys out the West. Uh, we've got uh, obviously our Elam Leadership College, Missions Works all around the globe. Uh, how, where did this all start? How did the journey begin for you? Uh, well, it was never my plan to be in ministry. In fact, I think I'm a bit of a late starter for ministry. Um, I'm an upholsterer by trade, and uh, I had started my own little business, uh, making furniture, employed a few couple of people, and uh, that was my goal, was to build my business. Uh, but uh, during that time, I got uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, so uh, that was... Uh, I guess a trigger point in my life and direct, just really going on strongly for God. And, uh, but then also my, I was doing some boat seats uh, for a customer and he was one of my bigger customers. Uh, he went broke. And uh, so I was just feeling during that just a, a bit of a pull towards uh, ministry and, and really just focusing on uh, that direction of my life. And so uh, out of that, I ended up... Uh, uh, going to Bible school out of something that was bad, God was uh, taking that and uh, redirecting my life. And so, uh, Marilyn and I, and we had two uh, preschoolers at that time. We went down to Faith Bible College um, in a caravan because I had no married accommodation, so that was fun. And uh, so, fun I guess who? that was the start. <laughs> fun for the kids, fun for you. Was it fun for Marilyn? Uh, <laughs> no comment on that. <laughs> Well, so you, so you grew up in the church yourself. You come, I remember you saying you came from a brethren sort of background. Yeah, I grew household. up in a brethren church and, um, and I was an elder in the church uh, at that time. Hmm. Right, right. And uh, so tell us about, you see, you go to Faith Bible College, uh, you grow and you learn in there and then where to from there? Do you just jump straight into ministry? What, what did you guys do? No, I um, went to Faith Bible College and no door opened for ministry. In fact, I felt God telling me to go back to the church that we were part of. Uh, I think if there had been a little church in Timbuktu with about 20 people that wanted a pastor, uh, I would have gone. That's how strongly I was feeling a call into ministry at that stage. Uh, But no door opened up. It didn't open up for about six, seven years. Uh, And so I went back to working for myself, but I kept the business really small. Uh, because I felt at any time I wanted just to be able to step out of it and step into ministry if the door opened up. And uh, then I had the uh, opportunity to go up into Vanuatu uh, and uh, just work in a a furniture factory up there. So uh, Marilyn and I, and at that stage, three children, uh, went to live up in Vanuatu and uh, came back and still no door opened up for ministry uh, for yeah, quite a little bit after that. So you have this dream on your heart, this kind of mm. sense of calling, and it's just kind of a dead, dead end at the moment. It's just nothing's, nothing's opening. Nothing at all. How, how did that feel for you as, a, as someone who felt so strongly called to that? Was it disappointing, discouraging? It did, because I, I've always had problems with my ears. Uh, when I was about 10 or 11, uh, I perforated my eardrums at uh, I was holidaying on one of my uncle's farms, 
And uh, so I've had the problem with my ears right through and been up in Vanuatu with the uh, coral in the water really aggravated my ears. And uh, so when I came back, um, uh, they were looking at um, trying to fix those up. And um, in the meantime, I had a, a lump come up on the side of my face and they thought it was a tumour on the parotid gland. So they cut me right down here to take it out. Fortunately, it wasn't a tumour, but when they put the sterilising solution around, it went down through the hole in my ear and uh, took my hearing away. And so I had no hearing. I still have no hearing in my left ear. Wow. And I only had about 60% in my right ear. And how, how old were you at the time when this happened? I would have been about um, 26, 25, wow, so 26. 26 years old. Yeah. Got a dream for ministry. Yeah. Now you've lost Oh, sorry, I would have been near a 36 uh, by that okay, stage. Okay, so yeah. mid-30s. Yeah, in my 30s, yeah. And so you've, now you've got this dream to be a minister and lead a church, and yeah. now you can't hear. And Marilyn said to me, look, you might as well forget about it, you know. Wow. And, uh, you know, she, and I thought, yeah, you're right. You know, I, I couldn't hear. Wow. And uh, so I thought, you know, how can I be a pastor, you know, I can't hear what people are saying. So all those people that come to you with problems and stuff, you just, you, n n nothing's going in. Nothing's it's not a bad thing. In, yeah. It's not, it's Tell me all my problems. Actually. I say, that's a, you, know, you know, the grandmother's died and the cat's, you know, got squashed by a car and I say, praise God, there's yeah, awesome. Yeah, you know, that's, no. <laughs> <laughs> I had never clue what people were talking about. Wow. But the interesting thing is, about two or three months after that, the church I was pastoring in the Brethren Church asked me to be the pastor. Wow. Wow. Amazing. That's incredible. So it was we, like when I gave up the dream, wow. God opened up the door. How amazing is that? Yeah, and and how true is that for so many people in their walk with God and the dream that God puts in their hearts? Like the minute you actually lay it down yeah. and allow God to do something with it, that's the moment that He takes yeah. it and does His way. That's what happened, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and out of that, the church that... Um, there was about 140, 50 people in the church. It grew over the next two and a half, three years. It grew to 350, 360 people in the church. Wow. So, yeah, just amazing. So there's obviously a, um, a gifting and a grace of God in your life to do that thing. You know, you, you step mm. into something like that and then it just starts to grow. But with, with the call comes the anointing. Yep. And uh, even now we look back over the 35 years and then the uh, nearly three years we were pastoring before that, and um, even though you work hard, it hasn't been difficult. Yep. It's like the anointing was there. Uh, it hadn't been difficult, no. Amazing. So I think in the whole time, from the time we started pastoring, so the 35 years plus the three before 38 years, we've never had a year where the church has never grown. Wow, wow that's amazing. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. Obviously, the grace of God, the anointing of God mm -hmm. to do what he's called you mm -hmm. to do, which is, which is cool. We can, we'll unpack that a little bit later. But so, so you felt a call to Elam, and um, so you stepped out of the, the Brethren Church. Yeah, I was pastoring in the Brethren Church, and, and, and it was a good church, but their doctrine on the Holy Spirit was different than what I'd experienced in my life. And, and uh, the church was growing and, and was becoming less and less like a Brethren Church, and and um, I just felt like some of the people were happy and some were not happy. And I didn't want to be part uh, of causing a church split. Yep. And some that were unhappy, feeling, well, you know, we can't stay. And I felt, well, I'm the one that's changing the church. 
I, I should be the one that leaves, not expect them to leave. Right. Um, they just want the church to be what it's always been. And so, yeah, so I was feeling then that, um, yeah, I, perhaps I should be looking at starting a church. But I didn't know Elam at that stage. Right. So I, I wrote down on a piece of paper, um, Auckland East City Christian Centre. And wow. all the things this church was going to be, yeah. So you, you take the big step to plant a new church in East Auckland and in a location that is, at that point, predominantly farmland. Yeah, God began to speak to me about Elam um, for about six months before I handed in my resignation. And, and, um, and when we um, were at Faith Bible College in 1976, many years earlier, uh, we had thought about going to uh, Elam Bible College in Rochester in New York, which has got nothing to do with Elam right. and that we're part of. Just the same name. Just the same name. And uh, the uh, principal came out to New Zealand, the dean students came out to New Zealand and we met with them, but it just didn't come together. Mm. Um, it was too complicated with work and we had family, young family, and so it just didn't happen. But through that, we had an affinity with the name Elam. Right. And then for about a six-month period before I handed in my notice at the church that I was in, the word Elam came up three times. Someone said, oh, there's a big Elam church in Blenheim. Elam. And some said, oh, Elam started in all. Elam. Yeah. So three times, and each time something inside of me just, Elam. And uh, so I didn't know Elam. I didn't know anything about them. I didn't know anyone that was in Elam. Um, so I looked up the church notices and saw the, uh, the leader of Elam there and uh, rang him up and said, I believe God's talking to me about starting an Elam church. Wow. And so, and so um, I, I like that. I love that because often it's those ways that God actually speaks to us, isn't it? Mm. That sort of, that reoccurring voice that sort of something stirs in you and you kind it's of... like a witness in the spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. mm. often people ask, like, how do you know God's speaking to you? How do you hear the voice of God? And that's a really powerful example of how at times God will lead us and speak mm. to us in those little witnesses on the inside there. And so... Um, you kicked off an Elam church in the Howick Intermediate School Hall. Tell us about that first service. What was that like? Well, the first service, um, Auckland City Elam came out and joined with us. Wow. So that was good. We had a good number. Huge people, yeah. But the next week we were reality hit. <laughs> and uh, there were about 20 people, there were about 20 of us that had been meeting for prayer and praying about this new church. And friends of mine, some that were in the church that I've been pastoring previously and... and um, uh, my brother and his children, and you know, so I think nine of them were uh, part of myself and my brother and our families. Wow. Uh, so then there was about another 20 that were in a, uh, a house church in Howick that we knew many of them, and they closed their church down and gave their people the option whether they wanted to join with us. So most of them did. And many of those people are still with us today. Wow. And, uh, and then there were about 20 that turned up that I didn't know who they were. So we, we started off with about 60 people. Wow, that's, that's amazing. And so that beginning point to now uh, has been quite a journey, hasn't it? It's been quite phenomenal. And the hand of God moving in the midst of all that has, has been quite amazing. When you first started, what was the vision in your heart for this church? Uh, my vision before we even started, I wrote down a list of things that the church was going to be. And one was I wanted a church of at least a thousand people. 
And um, mainly because I felt that uh, the church I was in, we were a fast growing church, but we were up a side street and uh, I was at a combined church gathering and we were talking about the church and the person I was talking to didn't even know we were there. And I really felt to influence a community, you have to be of a size to be able to influence a community. Yeah. And so I wanted a church of at least a thousand people. I wanted it to be on a main road and, uh, and I wanted it to be a seven day week church that ministered to the whole person, body, soul and spirit. And so I wanted not just to have a church that had a building to seat a thousand uh, that was used for a couple of hours on a Sunday and then empty for the rest of the week because I felt that's not been a good steward of God's money. Um, but to have a seven-day week, so I wanted to have a church, a school, mm. a kindergarten, a Christian bookshop, and a Bible school. And these are all the things I wrote down before we even started the church. Wow. After about 10 years, everything that I'd written down, was we had exactly that. That's yeah. amazing. That's yeah. absolutely amazing. Amazing in goal setting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so then the, the, the church in the Botany location, um, that's the church you pioneered and started all, all those years ago and that just grew and continued to flourish and then it took on a whole nother life of its own with this multi-campus, multi-site yeah. thing mm. um, and really we were one of the first churches in New Zealand to really adopt a multi-site type model um, which is now very popular around the world and around New Zealand um, but tell us about that because that's kind of, that was beyond really what the initial dream you had was. Yeah, that was never my vision. Um, I never had a vision for a city-wide church. Uh, my vision was for a community church that would influence a community. Right. And there were, at the time when we started this church, there were about 60,000 people that lived in Hawakampakaranga and uh, about 40,000 uh, were going through in that East Tamaki Corridor out through yep. there to Manukau City. So I thought 100,000 people, that will keep me busy for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, so I was content with that. And so that's one of the reasons we brought this land at the end of our first year and um, made plans to build a church for a thousand people, which would be the hub of that area. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that's, that's what I thought it would be. Yeah. But then we had planted a church in Manuera as a standalone Elam church yep. and that got into difficulties financially. And our city congregation also got into difficulties financially. And uh, so the national leadership team, I was the national leader, but the other guys on the team said, hey, Luke, why don't you guys take, right. take responsibility for them? And uh, so my attitude was, well, if we're gonna take responsibility for them financially, uh, then we're gonna do it my way, not their way. Because if their way was working, they wouldn't be in financial trouble. Very true, yeah. And so we looked at models and looked at the campus model, which was developing, and yeah, that's what we went that, down that track. Yeah, so that was the first one that came in as a campus? It was the city. The city was the very first one? The two came in the same year. Okay, yeah. So mm. city and Manurewa came in at the yeah, same, at the same yeah. time. Mm. And then since then, uh, the next one, we picked up uh, Whangarei. Whangarei was the same, they were having financial difficulties there, yep. there was about a $4 million debt, the congregation was dropping fairly yep. rapidly, and again, uh, you know, it would have been really bad, we would have lost a great facility, yep. but also for the name of the church and the community, yeah. it would not have been good. It was a good opportunity to get rid of me for a while yeah, too, I just... That was, we were looking for an out, <laughs> looking for an out so we, we could move you on, so was, we yeah. sent you up there. It was a mutual agreement, really, yeah. It was a, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and then and then obviously since then uh, we've uh, planted Pukekohe. That's uh, and then after that was uh, Papakura, and uh, now online, and then by December we'll be also in West Auckland, yeah. which is I mean does that just blow your mind to think? Oh, it's amazing. It's just incredible the way that it's worked out here. It's interesting with um, Pukekohe with Daryl. Because Daryl came and saw me, he was in Hamilton, Eleven, and Daryl came and saw me once when we were having a coffee, and he said, if you ever start in Pukekohe, I'd be interested. Wow. They, so they felt a call there long wow. before we ever started the campus. Wow. And, um, and then we had an opportunity in the bookshop, so I said, Daryl, do you want to come work for us in the bookshop? You know, nothing to do with Pukekohe, right. but it was a doorway that opened up for us. Yeah, to do that's that. amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And uh, um, I think one of the great... Um, legacies you have, Luke, is, is the growing and releasing of people and the growing and releasing of leaders. Um, how have you done that? I know that's a very big, broad question, but if you could narrow it down a bit for us, like how have you done that in terms of, you know, I, I think about all the campus churches we have and the great leaders we've got in them, not only that, but leaders around our movement in Elam, NZ, that have come out of this place. Um, how have you done that? Because I think if more leaders could do that, this nation would be able to be touched in a way like we've never seen before? Well, I think the strength of the church I grew up in was they very strongly believed in the priesthood of all believers. And so they didn't, most of them didn't have pastors. Some of them had pastors, but most of them didn't. And uh, so you had lay people that were very gifted that, you know, that would share the word and to just do the work of ministry. And so that was very much ingrained in me. Um, so when I came into Pentecost, I really struggled with the hierarchical model that I saw that was generally in Pentecost, uh, where you had the pastor and, uh, you know, he it was almost like a priesthood laity model. So the dodgy church pyramid scheme. Like Very that. much so. You know, we, we look at the traditional church and the priesthood laity, but they were the same. Exactly, exactly the same. And so I was never comfortable with that model. And so right from the beginning, we really encouraged um, using, you know, encouraging people to use their gift. And for me, it also was a necessity because I had so many areas I was not strong on. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably my main strength was being able to evaluate what I was good at and what I weren't good at. Right. And so recognising what I weren't good at, I was encourage others to step up into those areas and yeah, and so I think, you know, we end up a much stronger church as a result of that. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think one of the great things I love about you is that you're not afraid to promote people who and allow people to shine, uh, even in people that may be better than you in a certain area. Yeah. You're more than happy to go, I have no idea, you go and, and release them to, yeah. to actually do it. The key, the key is to get people around you that are smarter than you yeah. and release them in it. And unfortunately, um, ministers are often very insecure people. Mm-hmm. And so they have to hold everything and control everything. And they, church growth, they talk about the 200 barrier. Yes. Most churches, they grow between somewhere between 150 and 250 mm-hmm. because that's the capacity of the senior minister. Right. And, uh, but if you want to grow a church bigger than that, you have to be able to release people and uh, wow. you know, so you have to get people around you and release them. Uh, so they grow departments. Mm. Uh, I always say it's like you know, you throw a pebble in a pond, and you get a ripple effect. Eventually, your influence begins to lessen and lessen, 
And so you need to release someone else and then release someone else. You know, keep creating ripples so that it gets bigger and bigger. Wow. Wow. One of the great... um I guess I think the, one of the great anointings and graces of God upon your life, Pastor Luke, is um, as a gift of faith to believe for stuff that most people would go, don't even try, don't even bother, it's probably impossible, it's probably never going to happen, and you're just like, well, let's have a go. Mm. And um, I love that about you, and I, and, and I love that about our church, is that we've, we've done big things uh, and it's, but at the end of it, you look back and go, that was big, and how the heck did we end up here? But it's, but it's a series of faith steps and faith moves. Um, I think you carry a great gift of faith, but you also carry a, a grace of God for buildings and land. Mm. And so we've been able to secure multiple bits of great land and facilities for our churches. Can you talk through some of the how that works and also some of the miracles that you've seen along the way of just provision to to see those things come to be. I think the key is that um, not to compare yourself with someone else. See, God gives to us, with the anointing, uh, comes a gift of faith, but it's not the same gift of faith for everyone. Now, for me, I've got a gift of faith for property and buildings. You know, I just believe that it'll happen, you know, and... Um, someone else have a gift of faith see soul saved yeah. I, I know uh, he was a pastor in Australia he had 3,000 a year were coming to the Lord you know wow. he was gift of faith others have a gift of faith they see healing yeah. you know True. others have uh, a gift of faith in other areas and so you know God will anoint you for the task he's called you to do wow. and so you know the key for me even for uh, the pastors that are part of our team is not to look and try to do what I did yeah you know, God anointed me for the task that he called me to do, wow. but he anoints you guys for the task that he's called you to do, wow. uh, which could be quite different. And so for me, part of that, you know, is the foundational areas, buildings and property and things, which now we have, you know, amazing assets, yep. you know, phenomenal. We would have uh, buildings and property is equal to any contemporary church in the country. Yep. Um, but it's never been difficult. It's just like this is something that God raised me up for, he anointed me for, yep. and, uh, you know, uh, that's just something that's come together. It's Amazing, yeah. amazing. I think that's a great truth, and maybe even now for somebody who's watching this interview and listening, that whole, that amazing truth that what God calls you into, God will anoint you to do, yeah. and, it, and it's not... A burden. It's not heavy. Yeah. It's 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 light and, and and it's a grace and an ease on your life. Yeah. With the calling comes the anointing. Amazing. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. that. And so on this whole idea of the of buildings and property, there's a lot now going on with um, property here at the Botany location, but um, also in Manurewa and, and different places. Can you just talk a, a quick update for everybody on kind of where things are at and how things are moving in terms of expansion of buildings? Sure. Okay. But, I guess right at the beginning, we'd been going one year and uh, I was looking for property. We were a church of about 100 people. And so we brought this property at the end of our first year. And uh, wow. so we didn't have any money and we took up an offering, we got enough for the deposit and uh, the bank manager loaned us some money, he had a lending policy and uh, we couldn't afford the payments. And there was a whole series of stories that I could tell you that ended up but we own it and uh, and then you see the same uh, with like Manuiru 14 million dollars we paid for that we had no money 
Yep. You know, we built a school around at Golflands. We had no money. What's that now? Twenty something million. We put twenty five million into that, yep. not counting land. Twenty five yep. million. Uh, the corner property that we sold, uh, we brought that for four and a half million with no money. We had no money. And, That's uh, the, you mean the golf course site? The golf course yeah, yeah. site. We yep. sold it for twenty one million. Just amazing. Uh, yeah, the land up on the corner there, we brought the two of those pieces. You know, we never had money at the time, but yep. you know. There's always a way. I work on the theory, you know, if, if, if God is calling us to it, there's always a way. Yep. Um, you know, so we keep sort of, um, Bill Cathagan and I, we used to have like these, uh, you know, almost like a bit of a joke, you know, we would look for uh, a Mickey Mouse way of being able to get into the process. Wow. And uh, because we knew that, you know, if this is God, God's opening up the door. He'll make a way. He'll make a way. Yeah. And... Uh, that's just been, I guess, the amazing story through it all. So uh, now at the present time, um, we are looking at, obviously, the expansion of the botany site here, uh, which in some ways has been neglected because with the campus model, we've been having to put money into the other campuses to keep them going. And uh, really, we need to invest back into this building again. Um, and so we're doing it at the present time. And that's what, about four and a half? Uh, yeah, about 4.8. Yeah, something like that. And then, and hopefully with the school, just do a little bit more work there. We put a lot of money into education, into the school, and so we just sort of backpedal a little bit now and just focus on um, getting the church right. Man, we're aware, we've, again, um, it is our only campus where we don't have an auditorium-type feel. It's a... Uh, at the chapel that we've got there, which has been an amazing facility, but um, we really, to get the service type of service that we want to do, we need the auditorium yep. type of feel. So um, we're just uh, in the process of going through the council at the moment to get that, so we can convert the warehouse that was there, a mm. uh, huge warehouse, and convert that into an auditorium. So hopefully we'll be onto that um, within probably maybe early next year. Um, yeah. certainly finish it hopefully next year yep. and uh, we've got uh, nine uh, hectares of land in Pukekohe uh, and we're just sitting on that for now mm. uh, just while we process through with the D Department of Education and try and get permission to get a school going out there. That's awesome. Um, yeah, big things happening and, and ex exciting things happening as, as we continue to move forward and uh, it's, it's incredible. Um, what, as a leader now, and kind of in where you sit now in terms of your role and in terms of going through this journey and seeing everything that we now are, when you look in on everything, what now brings you the most joy in this? What's the thing you look at, man, that's what really brings me great joy? I, I look at the churches that were the big Pentecostal churches in New Zealand when I first came into Pentecost, and not one of them are a big church today. And I think to pour your life into something and, to, and then it die when you step out of the uh, senior role, I, I just think that must be yeah. a terrible thing. You know, like I, to me, the most satisfaction I could get is to see uh, the, what we've taken to this stage go to another stage and another stage. And, and uh, so I guess, yeah, the, the most satisfaction we get at the moment is just to seeing our young leaders like yourself and others just taking it and running with it and yeah. taking it to, a, to the next level. To me, that's the most fulfilling thing that 
you know, I can see happen at this stage, yeah. It's awesome, and I think that's such a, a kingdom-minded perspective mm. that as, as Christians, we have to think generationally. We yeah. don't just think the now, what I do. Mm. We actually think and live beyond ourselves to build inheritance and legacy and, and, and that whole idea that you're, we're just building a platform for another generation to build on top of, uh, which is, uh, which is incredi- incredibly exciting. When it comes to those big steps, you know, those big steps of faith, and those, those trust God moments, how do you make those? You know what I mean? Because like, it's very nerve wracking because there's a point where faith and, and vision have to take a step. You know, like, oh, we believe in God for this land or we believe in God to build a building. And then it's like, yep, now there's something that has to happen for you to get over the line to actually do something about that. And I know this is where for a lot of people in their faith, this is where we can get a bit stuck as we, we, we try, we overthink, we overcomplicate everything to the to the point of inactivity. And then we just sit for way too long and we never experience what God's got for us. How do you take the step? How do you, is it just like, I'm just not gonna think about this. I'm just gonna trust God and not think and just go. No, I think again, it comes down to several steps. One is vision. And if God gives you a vision, God doesn't keep changing his mind every six months. You know, if a pastor stands up and say God's saying this and six months later he's saying God's saying something else and you know, six months later he's saying something else, you start to question whether he's really hearing from God. And so like we have like, you know, a long-term vision. And then, so if, if the opportunity comes, God sets before us an open door. I, I rely on the witness of the Holy Spirit. So one is, is it consistent with what God is saying to me? If it's just out of left field, then, you know, and some things are out of left yep. field, like we moved from a, a single model to a, a campus model. Yep. Um, but, you know, is, is it consistent with what God is saying to me? So I look at that first of all. And then, do I have that ongoing witness in my spirit? Now, I know God speaks to us through his word, uh, but we're not people of the word. We're people of the spirit. Right. And, and so... The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. So I'm, I'm looking for the witness of the Holy Spirit inside of me. Yep. And, you know, is he troubling me? Is it, do I feel unsettled? Do I feel a peace? And, yeah, so I'm looking for that all the time. Is it consistent what God's been saying to me? Yep. Do I have that witness in my spirit? You know, that this is the way to go. And then we take some steps. We take some faith steps. And, you know, it, it's easy. You know, God can close the door. Easy, no trouble, you know. So, it's, so if we're taking some steps, saying, God, we believe in you and we believe that what God orders, God pays for. So God will provide financially for it to happen and uh, he'll make a way. So we just keep taking those steps towards that uh, to trust that it'll come together, yeah. So I'm, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried that, you know, all of a sudden the finances are gonna crash or yeah. anything like that because, you know, I feel, you know, if God's leading us, God helps us in our infirmities. He helps us in our weaknesses. If we make a mistake, he'll make a way out. He doesn't help us in our disobedience. Right. You know, if we, if wow. we say God's not speaking, you know, God's not saying this, I know that, but I'm going to do it anyway. Right. You know, then I think he'll leave me with the consequences. Wow. But if I'm trying to do the right thing, you know, he helps me in my weaknesses. If I'm trying to do the right thing and I, I make a mistake, I know that he'll help me out. He'll make a way wow. of escape. Yeah. Oh, that's such mm. a great truth. Mm. For again, for people listening today, mm. you know, if you're trying and you're doing your best before God and you're trying to honor Him and you make a mistake, 
God will correct, God will write, and God will redeem mm. and restore. He'll make a way of escape for and you. And make a way, right? Mm. But if you are deliberately going in disobedience, there's a whole different kettle yeah. of fish, isn't mm. there? That's a whole different way. And, and I know so many people who have deliberately gone, God, I know you're saying this, but I'm going to do this. And then it's a, yeah. it's a train wreck at the it's end. It's like of rebellion, it. you know, says like it's a, a witchcraft, you know. Right, it's yeah, like yeah. It's yeah. Rebellion. It's, that's you know, that's think, how bad it is before God, you know, right? Yeah, you just leave you, do your own thing. Wow, that's amazing. Pastor Luke, I want to I just uh, quickly throw at you, I asked some of our interns, so shout out to the Elam Leadership College interns, and if you are considering what you're going to do next year, maybe it's time to look at an, an internship with us uh, through Elam Leadership College at any one of our campuses, and, and uh, you can find more online, maybe we'll put a link up right now, you can follow that if you'd like, but um, these are from some of our interns, they, want, they had some questions for you, Pastor Luke, so um, here's the first one. What would you say to your younger self knowing what you know now? Oh, that's, that's easy. Be, be comfortable with who you are. Don't, don't compare yourself to, to other ministries. Um, there's always someone out there that is far better looking, far richer, far, better, far better orator, yep. you know. But um, be comfortable with who you are, you know. That's how God made you. He made you for a purpose, that way for a purpose, for a reason, yeah. So good. That doesn't mean you don't keep improving yourself, you know, but yeah. That's so good. Mm. Okay, what have been the the books that have impacted your life the most? Aside from the Bible, obviously, that's a given. You know, what's your favourite book? The Bible, every Christian says that. So what what books have impacted you the most? Probably the one that's impacted me the most. When when we live in in Vanuatu, uh, I read a couple of uh, books written by um, Pastor uh, Paul Youngie Cho, the great Korean pastor. Yep. I, I really, you know, I, I love the, the spirit of that man. Yep. But um, I, I was feeling a pull towards church and church growth and I went to a, a little bookshop uh, and I saw this book, Your Church Has Real Possibilities, right. uh, by Dr. Robert Schuller, uh, who later on uh, built the Crystal Cathedral That's and right, so yeah. on. That book blew my mind. Right. It just... Everything about church that I had been brought up with, it was almost like saying the opposite. Wow. And it was talking about, you know, about vision and dreams and goals and structure wow. and, and it, like it just blew my mind, yeah. Wow, that's mm. awesome. Great. I've read that book, it's a great book. Yeah. Okay, three people that have impacted your life. Yeah, I, again, I think probably those ones, but I think, you know, Yongi Cha, yep. uh, I think um, Shula, and I think Rick Warren, I think, yes, probably. absolutely. And these days, I love T.D. Jakes. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think that that guy, you know, I, I flog a lot of his material, yeah. you know. I just H- think... His ability to say stuff yeah. is out of this world. I can't say it like he says it. No way. But I just, I just love T.D. Jakes. Yeah, That's I just so think good. that guy is just a man for the hour. Mm. When he talks, you're captivated, eh? Yeah. You, can't just, you can't help but just be drawn in yeah, yeah, to him. Just a, such a commanding incredible. presence. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, um, what would be your advice to, to the next generation? If there's a next generation of uh, men and women of God, next generation of leaders coming through, what would be your advice to these, this next generation of young people, the, the 18 to 30-year-olds that are coming through now? Yeah, I, I think get a vision for what, um, you know, but... It, in the end, what God is doing with you now is preparation for what he's got for the future. And so Great. you don't have to be in a hurry. You know, like I, I was slow coming into ministry, but, um, you know, God can do more in a, you know, in a minute than what I can do in a thousand years. Oh, we we, you know, we so. talked the other day, you were my age when you started the church. Yeah. So I look at you guys, you know, man, you're a hundred miles down the road from where I were, right. you know. And so... 
Yeah, I, I just think, you know, just take each step as it comes. And, you know, we've been, looked the other week at the life of, life of Joseph on a Sunday morning. You know, if you look at where Joseph, all the experiences that he went through with preparation and, uh, you know, his brothers meant it for evil, but God turned it for good. And so just take, you know, if you have got a heart towards God, I always work on the theory, God wants us in his will more than we want to be in his will. Wow. It's not a struggle to find the will of God. Right. You know, the struggle is our obedience generally, isn't it? You know, so I think it's of our heart, it's, you know, God, whatever you've got, and then we just keep doing what's at hand. God will open the doors for us, eh? Hey, Amen, that's awesome, Luke. Well, Luke, uh, I want to honour you. I want to thank you so much for uh, your wisdom, your leadership. I want to thank you for your, or your obedience uh, all those years ago that said yes to the call of God and, and praise God that through that act of obedience, literally thousands, tens of thousands of people's lives have been touched and impacted by the gospel of Jesus because of that. And uh, this Father's Day, happy Father's Day. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to be with us. I wonder if Pastor, you just wouldn't mind just praying for us and for everybody who's maybe watching in today uh, on the live stream and on uh, Facebook, just pray for them. Friends, this is an incredible man of God. I encourage you just to receive this prayer to your life today. Thank you, Pastor Luke. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. Father, we just thank you. You're a faithful God. And Lord, we just thank you that we can put our lives into your hands with full confidence that you will guide us and you will lead us into a good place. Lord, that you will take our lives, O God, and cause them to be a blessing, cause them to be uh, something that will build your kingdom And what an amazing privilege that is to build your kingdom. So Father, I just pray for each of our people. Lord, I just pray for faith in their hearts just to be obedient, to follow you with all of their hearts. Follow you to love God with all of their heart and soul and mind. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.